Well, the invitation, I, I honestly, I think I had the same sort of reaction as you did. I found perhaps the over-reliance on, um, I don't know, ways into the psychology to perhaps be a little cloying at the time, the first time I saw it. Uh, the invitation was also notable as one of the first uh, Netflix originals I remember watching because I remember like suddenly it was just on Netflix. Um, or maybe I'm getting that wrong, but anyway, that's how I watched it. So I, I again, I, I wasn't as wild about the way that the movie was sort of telling me to relate to what was happening, but I loved the way she filmed everything. Oh my God, the scenes oh, yeah. in the bathroom, mirror, and just the lingering discomfort on, as the kind of games escalate. And of course, that magnificent John Carroll Lynch performance oh. is so out of place in every way, just this gigantic you know, suburban looking weirdo in the middle of this chic party filled with beautiful people. Like everybody at that party looks like Zoe Kravitz. And like, <laughs> it's just like, you know, the most gorgeous human beings. And there's John Carroll Lynch. That alone, honestly, is such a masterstroke of construction, you know, that these guys who all have problems and secrets and, and, and exploitable weaknesses, which of course you later learn is the point of the film, um, having to deal with this guy who just doesn't act like them. Right. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of a podcast directed by. So we are getting close to finishing up our month of Karen Kusama. We are now in 2015 with The Invitation. Uh, so as far as my history with this movie, this is another embarrassing one for me that uh, I first watched it. Uh, and I thought it was terrible uh, when I first watched it. Until I got... I mean, okay, terrible is too strong. Like, I was just like, kind of like, uh, I'm not really... What? Way to welcome in the listeners <laughs> to this episode. Just Jesus. hold on, listeners. But I was like, I'm just kind of not into this. Like, it's fine, I guess. And then the, the like, kind of last 20 minutes happened, and I was like, oh, wow. I really like this. I really like this ending. And then I got to, for this, got to go back and watch it again, and then got to beat myself up about the fact that I didn't like it, because I loved this movie the second time around. Like, I thought it was great. Like, I don't know if I was just, like, in a bad mood or what was going on. But, like, I really enjoyed watching this time. So much so that, you know, I watched this, like, for the show, like, maybe three weeks ago. And then before we recorded, yesterday, I watched it again. So I was like, I'm kind of in the mood. I'm kind of in the mood for that again. Uh, so I really, really enjoyed the... Are you okay? No. Were you okay yesterday? What was going on? <laughs> I was in a bad mood yesterday, too. Okay. But, but it worked out. Um, but you had mentioned on a previous episode, kind of that, I think on the Eon Flux episode, about the ratcheting up of tension. And like this time watching it, just like I felt every moment of that tension. Like it, it's an interesting movie to love because it's not a comfortable watch in any way. Like the whole movie really is designed to set you on edge and make you wonder if you and the main character are seeing the things that you're seeing throughout the entire runtime. And I think like at least so far, like I don't know about best or favorite, but this is probably her, her best crafted movie in terms of the way it's paced and the, the character work. And I just, I really enjoyed it, even though we got, you know, dime store Tom Hardy in our lead role. Uh, <laughs> he looks just like Tom Hardy. It is distracting. <laughs> I, I felt like uh, the, our two characters, Will and David here, which is like the ex. And then I guess the, the, current, the current man of the house with this, uh, this woman that's gone through some shit, uh, which, you know, her and her 
previous partner. They they lost the child, so you understand it. But I kept <laughs> I kept getting them slightly confused, and it's the beard and like the same sort of like shaggy kind of haircut. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. I'm like, is that part of like the world building here? This woman is like, that's not like she have she has a type, <laughs> but it's like she's like only slightly altered her perspective. Like she's mm-hmm. presenting a, a, like a unified front that like, this has changed my life. Mm-hmm. But you know, like there's some creepy moments in this movie, which like, I wasn't as high on it as you because I've, I actually have only watched it for this, for the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know why I delayed on it so much. I think I thought it was like a Netflix original. Uh, well, I think it was Netflix produced. Oh, okay, so maybe uh, so that, that was the reason where I'm like, yeah. man, they produce a lot of shit. So yeah. I don't know if I want to go into that. Um, and I watched it, and I think it totally works. I think it's probably her, like, the like if you wanted to have you, you said like a sizzle reel for Eon Flex. If you wanted to say like, here's like what Karen Kusama has been like sort of striving for. Like this feels like uh, that she was not meddled with in the slightest. And as much as Great. I like Jennifer's body. You have Diablo Cody's voice there that is also, you know, that that's going into our auteurs for asshole type thing where it's like you could we could do a month on Diablo Cody and you could include Jennifer's body as well. Just just as a screenwriter. By the way, the screenwriters of this also wrote Eon Flux. So boy, what a world of difference. there! never know. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But I read in that that BuzzFeed article uh, that I mentioned a couple episodes back that uh, this was only. Only backed uh, because of Game Changer Films, which is an equity fund launched in 2013 to finance female-driven projects. Awesome. Um, and uh, she, she was quoted as saying in this article, it's interesting that this is where we landed culturally, that there needs to be an earmarked, earmarked funds for women, essentially coming from politically-minded philanthropists willing to invest in women's visions of the world. It's amazing that it exists and completely insane that it exists. So, um, (laughs) but this one, you know, it, it, I guess this is probably like the purest expression you would expect Mm. from Kusama, uh, much smaller budget. And unlike you, you freak, uh, I I wouldn't say it's something I necessarily would want to revisit because it's, you know, premise is like a dinner party from hell, which there are a lot of movies like that. Yeah, that's its own genre at this point. Yeah, you could possibly do a podcast. Maybe I think you could do a solid year of weekly episodes of dinner party movies. And Beatrice, Beatrice at dinner is the first one that comes to mind for me, but there's a bunch. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cause, um, and I think there's a relatable aspect to that. Like obviously not this heightened, but we've all been in a social situation where it, it demands nicety from you and you just can't escape. And this, like they actually bar the windows and lock the doors, but like we've all had that feeling of like, get me out of here before I start screaming. Uh, the difference here is Will does start screaming <laughs> like, and then yeah. things go really bad. So that's that's part of my like I was I was kind of like right in the middle of this where I was like I sort of could step back and like objectively I'm like I, I like the like the vibe of this movie. Um, but on the other hand, like I don't necessarily like <laughs> the way the characters are conducting themselves well, because no. our main character <laughs> has to be both like on top of things, but also incredibly passive because you have mm-hmm. to keep them in the house. So yeah. it's it's got that horror horror movie trapping of. Well, just, just leave, leave. <laughs> just leave and don't deal with this. And if you feel like kind of mildly freaked out, uh, just get out of there. Like, um, uh, the, the John August scripted Doug Lyman directed go from 1999. 
that one has sort of ebbed and flowed as far as it's aged for me. But the one segment of that, like little Pulp Fiction Jr. movie that I has always held up and probably gets better with the age is you have the two, the, the gay couple, the soap opera actors who are roped into the what Amway. They, it's it's revealed to be Amway, but they think this couple is coming on to them the whole time at like this and you know this dinner that they feel put upon to come there. Um, that one, at the very least, that may be Dave. Our next podcast when we do dinner party, the the podcast, <laughs> uh, that might be the only one that su- successfully convinces me that they have to stay because we know at least one of them is like a law enforcement officer. See, I think I think it works for me in this movie, but only because of Will and Eden's shared trauma. And their shared history. So he would so, walk on eggshells a little bit more. Right. And it makes sense that he would like, there's still love there. There's still connection. They've still shared this terrible, terrible thing. And he wants, he wants to be there for her, but he doesn't know how. Um, and that's why I like in this movie, there is one character who's like, see ya. <laughs> I am out of here. <laughs> Not interested in this bullshit. It's like, would but you what ever buy? Well, yeah, they get punished. So. <laughs> Never leave the dinner party, Mike. <laughs> or just don't announce that you're leaving. Just, yeah, just you know, sneak out the back door. Yeah, yeah. The Irish goodbye. Yeah, that's definitely mm-hmm. the way to go. For sure. Is there a movie called that? The Irish goodbye? I don't know, that's but there should title. be. That's a yeah. good title. <laughs> also a good podcast. Like, you know, that <laughs> two assholes that are not Irish. <laughs> like, we just like randomly end an episode in the middle. <laughs> like just trail off. Anyway. <laughs> that's pretty much every like almost every one of my guest appearances where i'm like yeah. i am tired of this i'm done talking, talking now <laughs> yeah um <laughs> if only you could do that if you get past that like i think this is one that probably has stuck with me the most uh that like i i have gone back to just randomly and and thought about the movie so i i i won't totally knock you for it having like rewatchability uh but it is just like you know if your favorite part of like eyes wide shut is both <laughs> the orgy sequence, although you had a problem with the nudie. So if you like the uh, the American, the original American cut, where it's the Austin Powers version, where all the nudie was sort of like covered up, uh, or you like the sequence where Nicole Kidman berates Tom Cruise, uh, and you're like, you know what? I'd like I mean, a mashup of those two scenes yeah. where she was at the no party. No wonder just, like, I like this movie so much. Following him around, just like you know, just <laughs> telling him that he's terrible in bed and what's he doing with his life, and she's got a better like fix for it, and um. I don't know. You. This kind of goes back to maybe like our conversation on Last Temptation of Christ. Like you, you had a more spiritual upbringing, so I'm instantly sort of like cagey and disinterested when someone is giving me some sort of like spiritual life lessons. And this is not like this is a like as far as I know, like a fake made up cult thing that they're doing. Um, (laughs) I'm sure there's something very much like it, but like, I'm one of the characters of the party that like, as soon as I realize that's what they're talking about, like I'm thinking about like probably what podcast I'm going to record next or movie that I just saw. I'm probably thinking about Jennifer's body again, how much you hated seeing like, you know, same sex (laughs) interaction film, (laughs) how I'm going to get my next dig in on Dave on Twitter. (laughs) I'm like not paying attention at all. So it's, well, you would not all... make it through the night then if you're not paying attention. This is going to end no, poorly uh, for you. No, <laughs> uh, I'd probably just drink, you know, to excess. Um, but what I'm saying is, like, n- like I don't give any sort of weight to any of that stuff ever in life or in film. So there's like, there's no like tension for me as far as like, oh, what are they presenting to me? Because I instantly don't care and I'm bored with it. So, but you come from a more spiritual well, for background. Me, for me, the tension doesn't come from that. Though I think the tension starts even earlier. The one person I fault for not leaving is the guy who gets slapped in the face for no reason. 
like the guy in the kitchen where, and she hits him like as hard as she can and then you know insults him too on the way out like that's why no one cares what you think like jesus <laughs> <laughs> it's a little rough and i do also like that they're you know between the two characters who have suffered this loss other characters are constantly asking are they have they been like this for a long time like so i like that you have kind of the two different the two different sides of it and again i think kusama is playing with gender here right because usually in a partnership when things go poorly the man is the one who like just tries to move past it really quickly and just like nope not dealing with that didn't happen and the female character is usually the one screaming like what this happened this is real what's wrong with you which is what that scene to me is one of the most affecting in the movie is when he finally just loses it and goes like you know we shared this we created this life and it's gone and you're acting like he never existed fuck you you know but usually that is the female role in a movie like this so i love that kusama is just like and the writers of course are are flipping this on its head and he's just gonna and it's interesting because he does both right because he is you know, they, I think he, they had him grow that beard for a reason. Like it hides a lot of his emotion and all you get are kind of the like sad puppy dog eyes throughout most of the movie from him. And so then when he finally snaps, you both are shocked by it, but you also understand it because you've watched Eden just flit around this house like nothing is wrong. You know, they've talked to anybody for two years after this kid dies. She and makes you some pretty weird, over. weird <laughs> facial expressions when she's left her own devices, mm-hmm. which is. <laughs> pretty it's un- creepy it's unnerving i think mean, mm-hmm. and that's like the term i think of when i think of this movie it's unnerving like the entire time um and it's not just and the ending is great when you find out this stuff has been happening all across all across this giant city but yeah, I, think- I think that would be incredibly divisive to people even people who are into the movie i don't know how they would take the uh i don't want the ending's not cute but it has a certain cutesiness to it I yeah. like that it's sh- – I like that that ending piece is short. It actually made me think of um, Jordan Peele's Us, um, which I was not a big fan of because in the – basically in the exact middle of the movie, it goes big. I was way mm-hmm. into like the home invasion stuff. I thought that was really yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah. And once it got worldwide, I was like, oh, who gives a shit? I don't care about this. But mm-hmm. this just gives you that taste of it and it lets your imagination – just kind of run wild with like this has been happening at dinner parties across LA and maybe across all these other major cities like how many people are dead because of this and it is a haunting ending to this movie but I think maybe the thing that I was like, Dave by the way saying Jordan Peele will never appeal or never appear on this uh, podcast just well, like uh, maybe if he gets out to good movies like get out maybe maybe we'll we'll do this again <laughs> you know you are just like a studio executive like you know what if you can make another get out if you can make this huge blockbuster that is critically acclaimed then you get another chance that's right um although us made a lot of money I mean it, it was a it was a success it's just not for me just fine I also think uh the casting of John Carroll Lynch here is pretty amazing because i think i think if you watch a lot of movies like you see that guy and you're like that guy is fucking trouble like that guy is going to kill so we killer. everyone there he absolutely is. <laughs> it's the first thing i thought of when he showed up on screen and also he just this is going to sound insulting so get so get ready but he just in compare everyone else at this party pretty much like looks like a model like they all look beautiful and he is like looming and standing in the back and just like and then out out of nowhere out of nowhere is like oh by the way i fucking murdered my wife just so you know i was just like oh you're just gonna we're gonna say that part out loud okay learn nothing from jennifer's body look at you saying that guy 
Uh, he doesn't look like he fits an, uh, with no. our crew. <laughs> but he doesn't. Everyone there is just like the gay couple is like the like look like male models. Like, How dare he show up so big bald. and bald? <laughs> Who let the baldy in? <laughs> Although I do really kind of love the the sequence where um where our, our lead character, Will, is trying to fight him and he's just like a brick wall. Um uh, is a really yeah, imposing, terrifying sequence. Because it's not like Logan Marshall Green is a little dude. Like, he's in shape. He's pretty tall. But, like, this guy is just, like, compared to everyone else there, is just, like, this behemoth. Like, it's just, like, he can't be moved. And that is – and I like the fact that – Look, I saw Crazy Stupid Love. I know how hard he is to take down when he's right. enraged. That's right. Uh, and another great thing is the the moment that that happens, our lead character has to be saved by Kira, by his date. Again, throwing gender on its head. And it's not just – she hits this guy once and runs. Like, she hits him, I think, three or four times to make sure you, he's dead. Like, yeah, you explain this to me. She's a, she's a Mary Sue, right? That's what that means, that ah, she's able to, God damn it. <laughs> to physically just hit someone <laughs> without mean, the proper training. <laughs> I don't think you need training to just wall up somebody with a statue. I think you're Look, good. <laughs> if anyone listened to the last episode, I'm still not <laughs> totally understanding what the rules are to be considered a Mary Sue. Um, I feel like it's just when someone doesn't like a female character, that's just some sort of catch-all. Um, they should watch Girl Fight, honestly. Yeah, you know, if they there's a lot of training in that. Is that is good that enough? For you want that? Probably good, not. You want Probably not. Yeah, I think the only thing I don't have this problem with it, but I've heard other people have this problem with it, is that there's you know, anytime you have a movie with a dinner party with all these kind of this huge, relatively big cast of characters. There are going to be some characters that are not going to appear full, right? They're not, you're not, but I think the movie is more about Will and, and Eden than anyone else. Oh, okay. I didn't you know, know where you're going with it because I was like, are we talking about literally? Like they didn't eat enough? Like, no, no, I don't no, know. No. Those, those no. characters got their proper share. I don't know. <laughs> At least the one guy who got slapped, he went into the kitchen to get his food. I like that guy. <laughs> now Pruitt, that big bald dude, he looks like he's. <laughs> he, he hasn't missed many meals. That guy. <laughs> I'm sorry, my headspace is on the, the dinner <laughs> but, party. But you know what I mean podcast. is that, like, you know, these characters kind of pop up out of nowhere and they have their little, you know, their little jokes here and there, but there's not a lot of depth to them I, because it's I think not the, about them. The death of the child, like, that actually didn't come into my thought process because I felt like, okay, it's about these two people, like, and everyone else is <clears throat> secondary. Maybe maybe the dates or the, the new, you know, fella, uh, they would have a little bit more. But as far as everyone else there... Um, much like if this was like a real dinner party you went to and the death, like, cause they were talking about mortality. I mean, they show a fucking mm-hmm. video of someone dying. I think everyone else is like going to seed the floor to be like, mm, <laughs> how's it affecting them? Yeah. This might, the one... Some things might come up for them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you're going to talk about like your particular <laughs> like problem where it's like, I've got this shed full of Aeon Flux DVDs. I can't unload. <laughs> You're, you're gonna give them. Their, I mean, their, honestly, yeah. like anything to change the subject from just watching the dead person. Can we just talk about anything else? Are you saying you, you're gonna carry around a copy of Aeon Flux and you're like, let me show you something? Who's to say, say I don't, tell- Mike? Who's to say I don't? Maybe when I come visit Kentucky again, I will bring it with me in my suitcase. Jesus, just in uh, case. That, that'll be my own the invitation type thing. Where it's just, <laughs> <laughs> what is this building to? <laughs> Man pulls a copy of Aeon Flux out of every, his jacket. Every time I come visit you, I'm going to leave another one in your house Jesus. somewhere. Uh, 
I, I like how I'm, I'm, you know, since it's been so long since we recorded, I'm trying to rebuild our like continuity within the show. <laughs> Callbacks to things. I tried to bring up Last Temptation of Christ, and you just swat that away. You're like, not my concern. But anyway, how full <laughs> no, is I everyone? Mean, it, you know, to go back to that for a second, I think it's it's interesting to see a movie like this after you've been away from religion for a while. Cause like, to me, it doesn't even, it's not even recognizable. Like, I think if I had watched this, like if I had been religious up until like two years ago, right. And then watch this, I think I would have had, it would have had that impact where it's like people proselytizing, people trying to get you to join this thing, but it's so outlandish in this case. Like this is not a good selling strategy. You know, I'm going to show you, the better show selling you a, strategy. a video of someone dying and then maybe you'll join our cult. What? Um, no. Maybe you, maybe you just tell them, hey, everyone's doing it because that maybe at that point you're like, well, I want to live <laughs> but, like, you know, us. You, you mentioned it when it became like the entire world. That's a whole different dynamic than yeah. just like, can I survive this one? It's not just escaping invasion. the house. Yeah, it's like, yeah. oh, well, it's out there, too. Well, fuck it. Yeah, absolutely. Although in your neck of the woods, what's it do to the property values if everyone mm. – if, if people in California really took to this idea, but people in Kentucky were like, what? It's not made its way to Kentucky yet, so we're the survivors. But then there would be like way too many openings, and I think that the land value would go down. So like if I hear about this cult, I'm selling. I'm okay. selling and moving. I just can't get a read on you and how you're going to play the market in this imaginary <laughs> like death pact for the entire state. That's really the important part is how I'm going to come out financially from all these people dying. <laughs> do you think we're – do we sound like we're doing a disservice to the movie because there's honestly like – that's why like I was hinting at it with the Eon Flux episode. There's a lot more you can just talk about as far as like a – sort of philosophical debate, I guess, uh, here than there was in that sci-fi movie about cloning and like immortal <laughs> life, <laughs> which is strange, but it's also like, I don't think you can go like scene by scene with this when it's like, it is like a mood movie. It's just like, mm-hmm. just a, sort of a feeling you have as you're watching it. There's not really like in any one particular comment that is like more unnerving than the next. I don't think mm-hmm. until like all the cards are on the table. Like, because right. I, I could take any one of those moments, and maybe if you're a different person, you're like, yeah, that would have been my out point from this little mm-hmm. dinner gathering. Where's someone else? And maybe it was a lot sooner. I don't know. For for me, for, I'm not like you. I'm not like a who invited the bald dude, and that's when like, I'm out. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. It, you know, I was watching this, like thinking about, okay, like when would I try to leave? <clears throat> um, and I think one of the reasons I love it so much is I don't have that moment until Will does. Like, so really? I, yeah. Huh. So that is my, I kind of cued into that and been like, yeah, that's about the time I'd be like, yeah, fuck out of here. Like, so, cause I think I, I can understand why he would want to stay. All the other guests, I think <laughs> you're like, what are you doing? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I know they're giving you free Coke. That's nice. But like, uh, it might be time to go guys. Like <laughs> this is not going to end well for anyone. I find it very uncomfortable when someone's like, Hey, watch this video. It's going to show you something like, like it's one thing if you send me something. I was like, saying, you know, like, here's you a link. Did not have enough parties in your dorm in college because that's all that was. Let me show you this dumbass video. I just, yeah, I, I mean, I've I've actually offended some friends before where I'm like, look, I'm not going to watch anything you tell me to watch. If it's a YouTube video, I'm just not going to watch it. Uh, and they're like, why? You know, how do you know you won't like it? Too? I'm like, you know, just because there's too many like, especially if like you need like a reaction quickly, either in front of you or like, hey, immediately like, here, watch this and text me what you think. That sort of thing. Like, no, man, you're already you're already putting the 
whatever the video is at disadvantage where I'm like, this better be worth my time because you've interrupted my day. And I guess it's a little different because they were invited to this, like, if you're like a dinner guest, like you kind of go along with the customs of like people, like, you know, how they like, you know, if they're preparing a meal for you, whatever, like, so if they pray before they eat, whatever, it's not like going to be like, hey, whoa. <laughs> don't do that in front of me. Like, <laughs> I didn't sign up for this shit. <laughs> I did not consent to you. I'm prayers. not that particular, you know, asshole. But I am asshole enough where it's like I'm gonna like remark on it later. We're like, well, I'm not putting up with that shit again. Like, I'll, I'll know what I'm walking into right. next time. This one is like, you know, it's like that. There was a like really bad like Plansky movie. I think it was Plansky, like a, the the film adaptation of a stage play that was very popular that I think had James Gandolfini originally in the role, mm. and it was John C. Riley. Uh, it was called Carnage, I think, mm. where it's about two parents, like two couples, and one of their kids. I don't know, is like beat up the other one. I can't remember, but like they never leave the house, and it's like this it's supposed to be this sort of broad comedy of like how like polite society like devolves. I guess if they're like forced into like this tight space. Mm. The problem with a lot of those type of movies is they're usually not forced into that space. They just like it's they're forced into it because it's a movie and <laughs> we need them to be there right. that long. I think you make a good point about the side characters where maybe not having particular skin in the game that they, they may in their head. If we're like if we had a, a version of this where they have like an internal monologue where we check in with the characters, maybe all of them were bitching about it. Like, God damn, like, what is this horseshit? <laughs> But they're just playing along enough, um, right. and we have our lead character who has enough emotional ties to like stick around. It's still a little bit of an ask. Like mm-hmm. it's the bars on the window. You know? yeah. There's <laughs> some there's some tells here. I mean, obviously, the biggest tell to me is like I don't know how I'd react even to someone I hadn't talked to in two years sending me like an embossed invitation. To a dinner party. I'd be like, eh, I think I'm just going to ghost this invitation. I'm not even. Well, would you think they're fun. like dying or something? Like, what is this? Like, there's some sort of like. Their final goodbye. Yeah. Something, like, yeah. It's something know. where it's, it's, it doesn't read to me like good time. No. <laughs> it doesn't read like a fun Saturday night. Um, I say that as someone who's like recording a month's worth of episode <laughs> on my Saturday afternoon. Well, with Dave. you know, I am pretty great, so <laughs> that is understandable. But I think to me, the most interesting thing about this movie is, of course, it's it's handling of grief because that's essentially what the whole movie is about. It's like you know, the ending gives you this kind of almost genre trapping to it all, but the first ninety percent of the movie is about how these two different people dealt with the same loss. Uh, and one thing I love about it is I don't think it places Will in this position of like, oh, yeah, he's doing it right. Like he, she screwed up, but he's really figured it out. Neither of them have figured it out. I think Will's way is healthier than joining the death cult. But it's still like he's still processing this still. He still hasn't let any of this go, even to the point where his, you know, Kira, his date at the time is like kind of like I would never ask you to let go of this. You know, I'm here for you, but you're not actually giving anything. You're not expressing any of this. So like he's high, like his whole face is hidden for the whole movie. And there's a purpose to that. And I think you get that throughout the movie. And she's doing the opposite of like putting on this new face of like, everything is fine. Everything is great. And of course the, like the best way to handle any of this is somewhere in the middle, but they're both so damaged by, I mean, honestly, probably the worst loss anyone can ever endure is the loss of a child. Right. And I love the fact that Kusama gives us like maybe one flashback two, I guess, two flashbacks. You have the flashback of her trying to kill herself 
And then you have the flashback of them in the bath together, you know, planning to have a second child, which is heartbreaking. Like, it's bad enough that, like, oh, they lost this child. But you see, like, they were really happy together. The kid was really happy. They were planning to start a bigger family. And then this horrible, irrevocable loss happens. And it just destroys two lives in two very different ways. But all it does all that without being preachy, right? It does it in a in almost kind of a mystery way, in almost kind of a genre way where you're just like following along this uncomfortable dinner party, but you're getting these little drops of like, oh no, but this is a very real thing that people experience. Yeah, I would actually say that the next film, the final film in our uh, month here, is probably a little more preachy because the main character mm-hmm is far more preachy like in in particular with her family dynamic like she's (laughs) pretty much the only the sole relationship she has with her child is to lecture and i mean not without reason but that's every sequence um i don't know like what i i do wonder like within the the world that they present here uh is there a way for this cult to have made this more palatable like you know i don't they can literally do anything and make it more palatable like why are you gonna lead with like a death like and you know, ultimately, what what sort of sales pitch do you really need here if you're going yeah, to like, anyway? <laughs> you're going to poison people, you know, at, at a dinner party. I I I guess that's the and it, that's probably not the exact point of the film, but I do, you know, I think when you have plenty of time to think about it, these type of films, one setting, characters not leaving, you know, we're not jumping around in time, unlike the next film, you have more time for your mind to wonder as far as like what you would do. And then also like the, the particulars of it. And, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Like I, I, I was kind of waiting for, um, maybe bringing people in more to, to this because that's, you have to assume with these type of things that there's like a certain sexiness to it, right? Like you're, right. you're targeting people who are, bored or you know like kind of lost in their own way mm-hmm. and that is probably a disservice by having like the supporting characters be kind of so blank mm-hmm. as you don't really know like would these type of people go for it like you may think that will would mm-hmm. because she she would assume that he could be in the same headspace as her considering their shared loss why would the rest why would these other people what, what is it about them that would would get the special, you know, embossed invitation to the death cult. Right. I mean, I think you bring up a good point. And I think, like, if I had to come up with a reason why the side characters were there, I think the reason is, is that it applies pressure to our lead characters to stay. It's a lot easier to leave a dinner party with four people <laughs> than it is, like, you can just, like, okay, we're done. We're leaving. But when you've That's got, a- like... You got all these other friends here. Such a like, weird difference between judgment. me and you being revealed here. Because if I'm like the star of the show, if the production has been put on just for me, I'll hold court even with someone that I despise. Like, like you, you give me more room to talk and like you know more food and drink for me and merriment. I'll just go on and on. But if I'm just like a bit player in this, if if there's an ensemble, yeah. No, but I think done. it also helps that like it's not just like a dinner party with a bunch of random people. Like these are all people that are all important to one another, right? They're bringing dates, but like all the main players are there and they've all had previous relationships. So like you can't just like slip out the back door. Like you have to actually explain why you're leaving. So I think it applies that necessary amount of pressure for me, at least to understand why people would stay in this obviously 
unnerving situation where like all things being equal you're looking at this from the outside being like yeah i'm not sticking around for this bullshit but if it's like six of my closest friends and people i've shared things with then it's like okay now i have to have, it's, it's gonna be a whole thing i have to like explain why i'm leaving and what i'm feeling fuck it i'll just say i'll just suffer through this fucking nonsense that they're gonna show me on this tv here we go uh, but I think that gives enough reason for, for him to stay. So, so for me, it becomes believable that he would stick around rather than in most movies of this type. I'd be like, yeah, but your car is right there. <laughs> you should just go. <laughs> I'd be Clooney and the descendants, flip flops, whatever. I'm, I'm flying out of there. I'm <laughs> just racing down the hill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I do think. Uh, you know, I've really enjoyed the month so far, but this is this is the one, maybe since Girl Fight, where I'm like, this is this is a director I really, really want to see a lot more from. Like just from her like visual style and her visual choices. Like this is the one that really hooks me. God, you're such a Republican. Just uh, you're, I, how dismissive you are of Jennifer's body. It's just detestable. <laughs> is what it is. I can't wait. Next episode when we do our your usual nonsense back on our bullshit of best masterpiece favorite. I think I think I'm gonna surprise you. We'll uh huh. We'll, we'll see. see. Okay. All right. So that's about it for the invitation. Uh, next time we talk, we'll wrap up Karen Sama month uh, and talk about Destroyer. Uh, until then, you can follow us on Twitter at DirectedByPod, and if you'd like to hear our entire interview with our guests, such as Scott Tafoya uh, from Ebert Voices this month talking about Karen Kusama, you can donate to our Patreon at patreon.com slash podcastdirectedbypod.